episode number 110, The Secret History of Rivergate. Sonny's voice had fallen to a whisper. Abby was thinking, He can't really believe we can be overheard. He must be teaching me a lesson about what to never say. Let me quickly review the history. We know that much of the Half Moon Valley was sold to the Georgie family over 160 years ago, cheating those who already lived here. They, in turn, sold off parts of it to the Owens family, who apparently swindled them out of most of what remained. Many people were forced off the land, as you know. Sonny looked up into the distance and saw no one and went on. Oh, that's an old story. You've heard it before. But of course, a remnant of us remained in Hidden Valley, the forest and the marsh. For many generations, we worked quite well with the Georgie family, who were willing to learn. You probably heard many things from Wendy and Chi-Chi, who are part Georgie on their mother's side. So, things went well with the apple orchards, and the people grew in number. Until, suddenly, the great disaster came. The tragedy of 1941, with the burning of the dwellings and the death of many. Julie Georgie, pregnant with twins, went into labor and died giving birth to Wendy and Chi-Chi. Those who escaped went into hiding or fled to Rivergate and the West Isle. I have been thinking and dreaming today The life that once lived is flowing away the streets are all haunted by people I knew We're no longer the same after what we've been through And they're gone Gone Okay that's the background. Most of it's familiar to you. But here comes the part you probably don't know. Sonny paused to gain Abby's full attention. The people of Middletown and Half Moon and the related government bureaucracies had a complex problem on their hands. How could they justify such a crime and make adjustments for the future? The Georgie family, believed by many to be witches, had all apparently burned to death and vanished from the earth. Incredible rumors and hysteria spread through the countryside. So, the state absorbed Hidden Valley and the surrounding Georgie land into the Forest Preserve and made Rivergate into a separate county within the Wetland Preserve. The powers that be spread a story of a tragic accidental fire and regrettable loss of life. Churches, towns, and organizations of all kinds wanted to offer aid to the victims and make arrangements for the refugees. 
So they created political pressure and a fundraising drive for the building of the Snake River Bridge and new houses on the island. The people of Hidden Valley were used to growing their own food. It was midsummer, and the orchards and gardens were mostly unharmed. The government didn't want the people to starve, so they made a hidden compromise of sorts. They gave all the residents of Rivergate and the West Isle the right to harvest food from the former Georgie property. Abby heard the crows calling from the trees nearby. It seemed to her that the crows wanted to join important conversations. Here's the most important point, the hinge of this whole story and our whole dilemma. We now know for sure that this right to harvest has no time limit. It was not given for just a year or two, but given indefinitely. Chris discovered the full text of the agreement and the related Parks Department regulations through genius computer research. Think about it. The residents of Rivergate, all of us who live here, have a right to harvest throughout much of the forest preserve. Why then, you might ask, are we so careful to hide our activities? Because we have long been unsure exactly what this right includes. And even now we can see that the wording is extremely vague. Harvesting is allowed, but what about planting, farming, or even residing in Hidden Valley? I never understood this. The picture of her world grew and grew in her mind, filled with astonishing details. But Sunny warned her. Uh, it has its good side and bad side. So far, for more than 80 years, the Parks Department has quietly allowed planting and harvesting, and we've been extremely low profile. Only a handful of people have ever heard of this arrangement, and the rules have never been tested in court. No one has yet dared to expose the crimes of the past to a close examination. They covered up the past with this vague compromise, and it's been in our interest to leave the terms of the agreement as quiet as possible. We'd rather make up our own interpretation of the rules as we go. What good is harvesting if we can't cultivate the orchards and gardens, and even have a few people reside there? Well, of course, we do harvest wild nuts, berries, and many other foods. And for years, we've maintained a close alliance with the Parks Administration and Half Moon, a win-win for us both. In addition, Reverend Tuck, Pastor Banks, Bishop Beckett, and the farming community have been united in supporting our cause, using their influence with the governor, who is afraid to provoke the anger of the churches and their communities. This situation is, of course, a thorn in the side of Milton Morphy. You probably know his grandfather lost his job as minister for his role in the disaster. Morphy is obsessed with this history, and he wants to finish the job his grandfather started. Sonny leaned toward Abby and looked her in the eyes. And we are vulnerable to one potential catastrophe. If we abandon Rivergate, if Rivergate and the West Isle no longer have any residents, then our rights to Hidden Valley and the forest no longer exist, and all obstacles to selling mining rights to a Morphe company for a huge sum are cleared away. Gone, gone, all gone. Abby was speechless, overwhelmed. She was thinking. Of course. That explains everything. Well, 
almost everything. She looked up at Sonny. But what about the Georgie title to the property? What if the existence of living descendants could be proven and an original document presented in court? Wendy and Chi-Chi and Teresa, too, as a sister by blood, are still alive. Suddenly, Sonny turned his head and listened. Shh, shh, I hear footsteps. Let's change the subject. But you should know, there's no such deed in the files of the county clerk or any other place we've looked. We've been searching for a very long time. Up the path from the river, a man appeared, carrying a long object like a pole wrapped in cloth. Abby? Abby! He ran forward, and Abby stood up. In a moment, he embraced her. He held her by the shoulders and gave her a long look. He was breathing hard after his climb up the hill. Abby was thinking. Why is he so out of breath? He's lost weight, and his cheeks are hollow. And he probably thinks I'm too skinny. And could... Could that be the mapstick he's got? They stared at each other. A brief flash of sunlight was immediately covered by thick, dark clouds moving across the sky. Chris stood inconspicuously to the side, fussing with his new phone, and he suddenly turned to Sonny. Hey, it's an email from the River City News. They're asking you to comment on the bridge closing and Governor Palmer's plan to, quote, relocate the residents of Rivergate County. Sonny smiled. Aha, that's perfect. I was hoping for this. Invite them to send a reporter to visit us. Let someone tour the island, take pictures, and speak to me in person. In brief, state that our situation is misunderstood. We are just fine the way we are. There is absolutely no need for state intervention. Let them come and see for themselves. Got it. He turned and walked to the shanty. Oh, and bring a pitcher of cider and mugs, please. Sonny turned to Abby and Dennis and waved to the empty chairs. Here, take a seat. Have a cup of cider with me. Abby and Sonny kept glancing at the faded green cloth wrapped around a thick pole that Dennis had leaned up against the table. Dad, I recognize that old green material. At least I think I do. Is that the mapstick? Dennis untied a few pieces of twine and slowly unrolled a long strip of velvet-like cloth. It revealed a brown wooden staff over five feet high and six inches around. The wood glowed with a faint blue shimmer. Intricate carving extended from top to bottom. Abby was thinking, I haven't seen it in years. It's so strange for it to be here. Sonny was deep in thought. Time went by. Dennis could not sit still. He shifted in his chair, clasped and unclasped his hands, leaned back and leaned forward. 
Chris set a tray with cider and mugs on the table. Abby poured and passed the mugs around. Chris looked at Sonny. Junior wants me at the open gate. Something about the event tonight. Go ahead. We'll meet you later. Chris hurried off. Sonny looked up at Dennis. So, can I look at that? Dennis stood up and carefully handed him the staff. Oh, it's very—it's precious to me. An old heirloom of my family. I need to speak to Abby about it today. You can help us. I have made a decision. That's why I'm here. by people I knew were no longer the same after what we've been through and they're gone gone how can we hang on to the people we love a boom only granted by Hours above, I'll never forget. Though the years may go by, the people we love, they can never die. But they're gone, gone. The children of yesterday have all disappeared the tears and the laughter are no longer here like ghosts on the sidewalk they're all around me the faces who once were are all that I see but they're gone gone Standing alone in the rain Waiting for something that won't come again I call out for someone who's no longer here The rain keeps falling like so many Gone. 
Thanks for listening to the Protectors of the Wood adventure series. Find all our projects on protectorsofthewood.com and support us on Patreon at Protectors of the Wood. And to all the eco-warriors out there, remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts.